The Greg Kelly Show. I had a really nice weekend. I went to a wedding, which was um, very classy. I went to, uh, wait a second. I am not saying that I knew. I would never read them if I had these speeches. What? Oh, boy. Here we go again. Donald Trump is Hitler. Donald Trump is copying Hitler. (laughs) This is uh, desperation, and it's also getting a little bit boring, all right? It's getting boring. Uh, Again with the Hitler stuff. Again with the Hitler stuff. Let's see what they got here. Oh, so I was so busy this weekend, I actually did not um, watch the Trump rally. There were a couple of Trump rallies. I didn't get to watch them. Now, this is the one they find so appalling. And even some silly conservatives I know out there who really should know a hell of a lot better. Um, A timeout. (laughs) There's a guy. Who's the OEM director? Office of Emergency Management. Did you know we have an Office of Emergency Management here in this uh, in this city? Used to be guys like Richie Shearer and uh, Jerome Hauer and uh, who's that crazy little judge from Brooklyn? Not not a bad guy, Judge Bruno. And now we have Zach Iskell. Zach Iskell. I've run into this guy a couple of times. What does Zach Iskell bring to the table? A lot of money. He's a rich kid. And he's got great hair. And he served in the military, which is nice, but it doesn't mean you get any job, uh, you know. It doesn't mean you get just any job. And I think they just gave him that job. And I just saw him on TV wearing the most over-the-top Office of Emergency Management jacket, 16 different places. Zach Iskell, Zach Iskell, Zach Iskell. Zach Iskell is um, probably going to run for something. He already ran for controller or public advocate or one of those one of those jobs. He wants to be mayor. I'm sorry, buddy, but uh, uh, the problem is your complexion may just hold you back. <laughs> may, may just, if you want to get into politics in New York City, uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be a limiting factor for you. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Where was the other thing? Hey, can we hear this? Uh, Joe Biden was asked about his poll numbers. You know, he's getting crushed all over the place. And he's coming out of a, a building. It's at night, and he's about to get into his car. And you hear him try to spin the numbers. Oh, you're not looking at the right poll numbers. And then you hear a crash. It's a car crashing right into his uh, right into his motorcade. <laughs> kind of metaphorical, I guess. Uh, kind of uh, is God. God has one hell of a sense of humor. Hit it. Mr. President, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? What? Whoa! A car hit the one of the parked cars in the presidential motorcade, of which they have way too many cars. They got like 50,000 cars in that motorcade. They actually have about 100. Let's see here. A uh, driver who struck Biden's Delaware motorcade charged with DUI. The driver who plowed into President Biden's motorcade as he left his campaign headquarters in Delaware Sunday night was charged with driving under the influence. Uh, James Cooper, 46, of Wilmington, was taken into custody after his silver sedan smashed into an SUV blocking an intersection. Uh, Wilmington police said Cooper was also charged with inattentive driving. In addition to DUI, officials said the crash did not appear to be intentional with Cooper likely unaware that it was Biden's motorcade that he tr- that he had struck. Cooper has since been released from custody and given a summons to appear in court at a later date. 
uh, representative for Cooper was not. Can I hear that one more time? All right. His poll numbers are totally cratering. He's a 33 percent. Donald Trump is much more popular than he is. Every poll, every state, Donald Trump's winning. But no, you're we're all looking at the wrong polls. Right, Joe? You know, I think it's a sign from God that your lies are getting on his nerves. Your lies are getting on his nerves. Hit it. Mr. President, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? Whoa! And then they actually all huddle around Joe and they, oh, maybe we have an emergency here. And they put him in the car, the Secret Service guys, and they get the hell out of there. And you know why I think God had something else to do with this? Uh, He has something to do with everything, but nobody was hurt, right? I mean, even the guy. Like, there was a crash. It's like not nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt except feelings. (laughs) I like it when that happens uh, sometimes. Um, All right. Now, the other news, uh, Donald Trump is a Nazi. Just turn on the fake news, and they'll tell you right now. I just heard this a couple of moments ago. He's He's a Nazi. Give me a break. This does this sound like Nazi propaganda to you? It's not. It's to, it's a totally legitimate thing to say that I happen to agree with. Donald Trump over the weekend. Go. We got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world they're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. They just come in. Uh, The crime is going to be tremendous. The terrorism is going to be. Terrorism is going to be. And we built a tremendous piece of the wall. So what's the problem there? What's the problem? The blood of our country saying, oh, this is right. This is a Nazi trope. Well, our country, by definition, is very, very um, diverse. By definition, it's diverse. We all know that about our country. We also know that our country is not about ethnicity. It's not about what you look like. It's not about race. It's not about that stuff. It's about do you support our values, American values? Look it up in the Constitution. Look it up in the citizenship oath. People from all over the world have come here legally, take that oath. They do everything they can to be legal, and they are legal, and they take that oath to put the cherry on top, and that's beautiful. They swear to take up arms for America if need be. He mentioned China. He mentioned Africa. I think one of the reasons why he's singling them out is because, I mean, the southern border, we knew we had people coming from Mexico, from Central America, from South America. You see how many single men, adult males, are coming into the country through uh, the Rio Grande there from China and Africa. That does not kind of equate, right? It doesn't kind of, right? Now, I know, oh, well, wait a second. They're going— it's new. It's a relatively new phenomenon. It's not talking about the, and I can find, and I've done it before, a million examples of Democrats talking about the blood of America. You know, our, our blood bleeds red, white, and blue, that kind of stuff. The heartbeat of America. I think there was a car commercial that said the heartbeat of America. Well, what is the heart pumping? Blood. The blood of America. It doesn't look a certain way. It's not black. It's not white. It's not Hispanic. It's It's American. But you see how, uh, and they're still at this. They're still at this. Hitting him with this, with these lies. But we know the truth, that there are people out there who are, who are vulnerable to this. Very, very vulnerable. Hey, 
Vivek Ramaswamy. Did he use the F word? I haven't heard him use this. I heard him tell Chris Christie to get the hell off the stage and go stuff your face. I thought that was pretty good. Now he's telling Van Jones, one of the most um, reprehensible people in American politics, really is bad. And the fascinating thing is he convinces everybody he's a, a nice guy because he looks great in a suit. He calls Republicans a-holes. Doesn't say a, he actually says the ass part. He um, He's a very divisive guy. Yet Jeff Bezos gave him a check for $100 million for being a Mr. Civil, Mr. Civility. Cut 11, please, one of my favorite dudes, Vivek Ramaswamy. He got this character Van Jones on CNN afterwards saying... This is the rise of an American demagogue who's going to live 50 years longer than Trump. This is dangerous. I am shaking. That's what he says. <laughs> just shut the f*** up. <laughs> At a certain point, just shut the f*** up. Van Jones at CNN. All right. Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of the F word, but every now and then, once in a blue moon, it works. Anytime you like, in certain situations, behind closed doors, if that's what you're into, if you like hearing it, if you like saying it, that's one thing. That's between you and whoever, whomever. But on stage, I think it should be used very, 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 very rarely. I don't like these comedians who use it somehow. I hate to say this. It somehow works. You use the F word and everybody goes bananas, especially when a politician says it. I remember Beto O'Rourke. That was his whole thing. He said the F word. I'm so happy to have your effing support. And everybody went, everybody went crazy. And I don't know what the heck it is, but there's a reason why comedians use it. It's not just for effect. It's actually a tool. It's somehow a tool. And it makes whatever the hell they're, they're saying edgy, even when it isn't that edgy, maybe. I don't know. But Vivek gets a, a pass for me for, for using that word. And, uh, hey, anybody see the Dahmer, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, the monster on Netflix? I'm watching Jeffrey Dahmer, the monster on Netflix. This is the second show I've watched in about two years, maybe even longer, three years. The second show I've binged out on, and I'm not done with it, and I'm not watching another TV show again, all right? Because, number one, it's fantastic, it is, I can't get enough of it. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop talking about it. Unfortunately, wherever I go, no one has seen the same show. And no one, you know what I mean? And then when you do find somebody, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But actually, I've never find, found anybody who saw this Jeffrey Dahmer, the monster on Netflix. But even though it's fabulous, a couple of things I don't like about it. They have me feeling sorry for Jeffrey Dahmer, Right? They have me at times rooting for Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't want him to get caught. He kills a guy in a hotel room, eats him, and I want him to somehow escape. Now, talk about manipulation. I mean, what in the hell is going on there? The other thing I don't like, you know, this guy lives with his grandmother at a certain point. His poor father, you know, really works them, but... His father comes off as like a jerk. I don't know if that's true or not, but the f- he lives with his grandmother for a bunch of years, and they have TV dinners together. Guess how they try to make the grandmother seem? Like, she she's a churchgoer, and she's a nice woman. And, you know, she takes this guy in and makes him dinner. But, of course, she, they make her out to be a nitwit, right? 
and she's so, oh, how, how uncool can you be when she says, maybe you would like to go to church with me? Every time they portray her, they try to portray her as like some like ludicrously out-of-touch woman. And everything about her is just deranged, like just pathetic in a way. But I think she's one of the heroes of the, of the damn show. She's one of the heroes of the whole thing. She's like 85 years old. I got to get her name. Mrs. Dahmer, I guess, right? And the house where she lived, he was doing a lot of the butchering there. I know he got the apartment when he was working at the chocolate factory, but before he got that job, that was kind of, that was kind of a twist, right? That he worked at the chocolate factory. Wasn't that isn't that just he worked at the chocolate factory? I'd like to work at a chocolate factory and have my own apartment too. There was actually part of it was like, wow, wait a second. You can work at the chocolate factory and have a one bedroom apartment and go out at night and, you know, do all this stuff. Not that stuff, but, you know, have a life. It doesn't sound that bad. All right. So what happened? Oh, so she is, um, you know, like they lamely suggesting that he goes to church. They're trying to make her look lame. She saves the life of somebody. Uh, Jeff brings home some dude, drugs him. And his whole thing is once they're drugged, he brings them to the basement. But the mother finds what's going on and, like, what's wrong with this guy? And, oh, he just had too much to drink. I don't know about that. He looks really out cold. I want to call an ambulance. No, don't do that, Mom. Uh, you, You just go back upstairs. He wants to kill the guy. No, 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 no. I'm staying here until this guy wakes up. Well, he he doesn't wake up, and then she insists on putting him in a, on a bus, and they 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 go to the bus stop and everything like that. She's a hero; she saves this guy's life. But they make her out to be like this kind of ignorant, narrow-minded, dim-witted person because you know she wants to go to church, and she's not into necrophilia, right? I mean, how square can you be? How is it that these shows get us rooting for the necrophiliac? That's weird. That's totally bizarre. And uh, anyway, I can't wait till the next episode. Be right back. Greg Kelly. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno, he's your numero uno. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.
is the Greg Kelly Show. Mr. President, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? Maybe we got the wrong president, Joe Biden, huh? Maybe we got the wrong president, wrong polls. He's asked about uh, getting crushed by Trump in the polls. Oh, you're looking at the wrong polls. Smash. Car slams right into his motorcade, parked motorcade. I think it's a little sign from God. Hey, that was in Wilmington, Delaware. Just across town uh, is a guy named Chris Coons, C-O-O-N-S, a jerky senator uh, from Delaware, and uh, don't like this guy at all. I think he became senator after Joe Biden left, right? The Senate became vice president. Listen to this twerp. From the comfort of a studio in Washington, D.C., he's telling Israel how to run a war. Cut one. Prime Minister Netanyahu has been an exceptionally difficult partner, uh, and I think President Biden did the right thing right after the shattering, the horrific attack by Hamas to go to Israel to stand strong with Israel, and frankly, to send a firm message to Iran to stay out of this conflict. He deployed two aircraft carrier battle groups to the region so that Israel could focus on its self-defense against Hamas and not face an open attack from Hezbollah on the north or Houthis on the south uh, or Iranian forces uh, up on the Golan Heights. What has been a real challenge is the big gap between most of us in Congress and the president who believe a two-state solution is the only way forward and Prime Minister Netanyahu who has done everything he can to undermine a positive vision for peace for Israel. Oh, you don't say, huh, Chris? That's the part. That's what really is happening here, all right, is that the Biden administration is totally freaking out because they are losing millennial support. Uh, they are losing uh, Generation Y or X or Z, whatever it is, uh, the, whoever comes behind millennials. They're freaked out about uh, Arab Americans in Michigan uh, not showing up to vote for Joe Biden. So they're coming out hard. They're signaling hard that we want this to stop, that we don't like Israel. We don't like the way they're prosecuting this war. And that's where that's coming from. That's pretty, that was pretty blunt. And bad and wrong from Chris Coons. He's another guy. He's a he's a real sleepy dude himself. He's the guy who stood there while his daughter was getting felt up by Joe Biden. Ever see that video? Joe is like totally, the mother understands that something weird is going on, tries to shut down Joe. But Chris Coons with his big dopey smile. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Greg. Hi, I'm... I'm reading what Frederick Bastiat had to say about what's going on with Mayor Giuliani right now. I had read to you last week what he talks about as plunder, which is stealing under force of law, especially in times of civil unrest or war. Well, here he says sometimes the law defends plunder and participates in it. Sometimes the law places the whole apparatus of judges, police, prisons, etc., at the service of the plunderers and treats the victim when he defends himself as a criminal. That is amazing. Amazing once again that the law can be used, can be weaponized, if you will. Barbara, we thank you. And Barbara, would you send it to me, please? listening to the Greg Kelly show.
Hey, my friend Brandon Strzok uh, from the Walkaway campaign. You know this dude? He is uh, amazing. He really is a great guy. He uh, got totally screwed over. Uh, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't break anything on January 6th, but they really tried to upend his life. He was there. He was arrested. Uh, the FBI barged into his house in the middle of the night. And um, But he is back stronger than ever. I'm going to talk to him in just a little bit about uh, a very key decision that is working out in the favor of uh, January Sixers, so many of whom, again, over-prosecuted, over-charged, and that's that's very wrong. And let's see here. It's backfiring, I think, on—I think it's backfiring on the state, don't you? It's backfiring on the state, and uh, I am very excited that Brandon will be joining us in just a little. Brandon Strzok. Not the other Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Hey, can we bring that back? we got to bring that back. Hey, cut 18, please. Cut 18. Uh, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney was trying to say that Donald Trump at one point wasn't a man. He was not a man. Try to call him a sissy. Listen to this. Cut 18, please. Cut 18. They were angry when I challenged Trump's refusal that same month to commit to a peaceful transfer of power. And they seemed especially upset when I tweeted a picture of my dad wearing a mask in June of 2020 at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Along with the caption, real men wear masks. Real men wear masks. Remember that? Dick Cheney's going to tell me to wear a mask. I barely wore a mask through any of that stuff. I just couldn't. I mean, number one, I knew it wouldn't work. Uh, Let's see. We're already, what do they call it, socially distanced. I mean, sometimes I'd pretend to put a mask on initially and then I'd take it off. Sorry. And now we hear and there's all kinds of data. Hell, I remember. What's his name? Fauci saying out loud, a mask really will not help you. It, it, it's not really. And you could actually cause other problems by touching the mask and touching your face. It really is not advisable to to wear a mask. He said that. And now there's Liz Cheney in September of 2020 making fun of Trump, trying to make trying to imply that Trump is not a man. Because remember, we all know he was a little bit reluctant when it came uh, to the masks. Very strange. Uh, and. Donald Trump did not attack Mike Pence. Again, there's way too much about this. Way, way, way. This Liz Cheney book is absolute dynamite. Not in the way she wants it to be. All right. More on that as we go along. Oh, Brandon Strzok is with us right now. Brandon, uh, he started, of course, most famously the walk away campaign, walk away from the Democrat Party, just like he did. He was a total liberal. And then he saw the light. He saw the lies, the lies of the left and said, enough is enough. Brandon Strzok, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Greg? Uh, I'm great. And I was thrilled to see this kind of announcement from you. Uh, look, you were unfairly, I think, targeted and you went through a whole legal mess because you were there on January 6th. But you didn't break anything. You didn't hurt anybody. Uh, what is the latest? What what just happened? Right. So basically, I just broke on social media that uh, I, I was the recipient of what I call the trifecta, meaning on January 6th, people know I was outside of the building. I was shooting a video, totally nonviolent. But I ended up getting criminally charged, civilly sued and subpoenaed by the January 6th committee to testify uh, before their committee. So all three things. The civil lawsuit was uh, served to me about uh, two years and three months ago. And so what this is, it's a, it's a Soros-funded nonprofit law firm out of D.C. called Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. 
They have a long history of using their nonprofit law firm to engage in lawfare against conservatives, especially prominent uh, figures and activists. And so they sued me under the KKK Act. And this is very clever. What they did was they went out and found eight Capitol Police officers who are black and brown. And they alleged in this lawsuit that I, among uh, a few other people that they sued, went to the Capitol to engage in a civil rights conspiracy against black and brown officers to injure them and harm them and engage in essentially a white supremacist attack on these officers at the Capitol. And of course, they also are, are suing me for, for First Amendment protected speech. You know, say, things that I said in rallies for months leading up to January 6th, of course, nothing violent. Things like, you know, we've got to stand up, we have to rise up, things like this. This case went on for two years and three months and cost me well into six figures. But as of today, I announced that I have prevailed on all counts. Uh, the suit is over and I won. So what, did they is, throw did a judge say, hey, this is bogus? How, how did that come down? Right. So the so these these plaintiffs came at me on six different counts. The judge initially dismissed the first four counts against me that happened earlier this year, but left me in on two counts. Uh, we entered discovery and a number of things materialized in discovery. Now, one thing you should bear in mind is a couple of these counts were assault and battery counts. So these officers are claiming that I'm responsible for uh, assault and battery and injuries that they sustained. But through the course of discovery, what we were able to show was that these officers weren't even working on the same side of the building I was on. One of them was actually in Maryland at the time that I was at the Capitol. Nonetheless, they were suing me for the, their alleged injuries. And so um, we filed a motion to the judge on the last two remaining counts which he dismissed without prejudice, meaning that these, these uh, plaintiffs would have the option if they wanted to file these remaining two counts against me in a, a district court. And uh, my lawyer wrote a very strong letter to the, the attorneys basically saying, if you right. keep this going, we're going to seek sanctions. And they decided to end the case. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, these cops, I wonder about the Capitol Hill cops. Some of them are good. Some of them are uh, bad, like any organization. And some of them are being used. I want to read you something from Liz Cheney's new book. She quotes Caroline Edwards, very attractive Capitol Hill police officer, blonde hair. Um, I mean, look, she's hot. All right. Uh, And she testifies and she says this. It was carnage. It was chaos. I can't even describe what I saw. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that as a police officer, as a law enforcement officer, I would find myself in the middle of a battle. You know, I'm trained to deal with, you know, a couple of subjects and maybe handle a crowd. Um, And the idea that you're a cop and you can't handle a riot and that she's beautiful, you can't criticize her. And quite frankly, you know, the media dominated by white people, they're very, very reluctant to talk about black and brown cops, especially as possibly being either wrong or being exploited or being, forgive me, full of crap. Do you think that's part of the game here? Identity politics, um, but they're messing with the wrong guy when it comes to Brandon Strzok. <laughs> yes, yes to all. Um, I do think that in my particular case, the one I was just describing, uh, my belief is that this was a lawsuit that was cooked up by this law firm. Uh, they represented all of these plaintiffs pro bono, so there was really no risk to them. I can't, this, look, this, I'm speculating, but it's a strong speculation 
Uh, they came up with this idea. They went out and they found the officers to represent as plaintiffs and said, hey, can we throw your name on this lawsuit? Uh, we're basically going to go after Trump supporters and allege that they're white supremacists and you may end up seeing a payday. And but to the point, whether they're being used or not used, these officers willingly participated in this. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think that they're, they should get off the hook for that either. And, and as I said in the video that I just put out on my Twitter, because I'm just now announcing this literally within the last hour, um, you know, what's really twisted about this is not just the fact that they are exploiting all of the lies, the many lies about January 6th. But it shows so clearly the less exploitation of race. You know, they, they, they made this, rather than this being about a, a riot that broke out at a protest about election fraud, they tried to make this into a white supremacy thing, to try to paint Trump supporters once again as racists and bigots. And these, these officers and the lawyers representing them knew that this was not true. First of all, they knew that I didn't commit any violence. I was investigated for over a year by the FBI and never accused of violence. And yet they tried to say that I, I caused their assault and battery because I'm a racist. So the entire thing is an exploitative lie, but it blew up in their faces and I won. And by the way, um, not that it matters, but it kind of does matter. Brandon Strzok happens to be gay and happens to be, you know, obviously doesn't hide it and nor should he, but... It underscores a little bit like, you know, there's a category you are. If you wanted to be, you could be a victim. You could be a plaintiff yourself. You are. I don't know. You are arguably beleaguered. The left would have you believe that you are, uh, you know, uh, an oppressed group. And but you probably know from genuine oppression throughout your life. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is your breath of fresh air. People need to listen to Brandon Strzok. How can they help out? Well, I mean, at this point, uh, thankfully, now this is behind me. A lot of this is behind me. I'm putting all of my focus once again in rebuilding my organization and especially going into 2024. I've got to you know, bring Walkaway back beyond its former glory. And so if people want to get involved or find out, uh, please go to walkawayfoundation.org and you know, become a supporter of the movement, whether it's through donating or volunteering. And uh, just follow us on social media and share our content. This is a huge year coming up. And once again, now I'm laser focused on rebuilding my movement. So they can go to walkawayfoundation.org to support. Walkawayfoundation.org. Two more quick things. Number one, have you heard about this Liz Cheney book? It's number one on the bestseller list. Books aren't what they used to be. It doesn't necessarily mean anything that she's on the bestseller list. Uh, she does get to go on TV, talk about it. I think I've read the book. I think it's very, very almost scary what she's doing here. The lies, the omissions, and she seems to be coming up with a rationale to take out Trump by any means necessary. Yeah, and you know what I mean. It's scary. Um, any thoughts about her? <laughs> How much time do we have? I mean, this woman is, is someone who is directly responsible for much of the hell that I just went through and the destruction of my life and the destruction of my name. Again, we know now and we're finding out more and more every day that the January 6th committee intentionally omitted evidence that showed that many people who have been accused of violent crimes and had their lives destroyed did not engage in any violence of any kind. And she also went out of her way to be a part of perpetuating the narrative that this was an attempt to overthrow the government in a violent insurrection, which it absolutely was not. So I, I hope that there is justice for Liz Cheney. I hope there's justice in this lifetime, but I certainly hope there's justice for Liz Cheney in the next life. Wow. Uh, look, this book is uh, something else. She she probably said a little bit too much in this book. 
And she's counting on people not reading it. I haven't done my full book report yet, but Brandon, uh, it's uh, it's dynamite. It really is. Not in the way she intended. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, could you tell everybody your story about, you know, when you saw Trump portrayed as allegedly making fun of a of a handicapped person and everybody was outraged that he did that. But it turns out that he wasn't. And everybody, literally everybody was lying about it. Right. So what you're describing is actually my walkaway moment, the, the, the moment that was pivotal in waking me up. And so uh, essentially in January of 2017, I went on Facebook. This is after I had just voted for Hillary Clinton and was melting down about Trump's election. And I, I just lambasted conservatives saying I would never be able to understand how you people could vote for a man who was capable of mocking a reporter's disability. And that's when somebody reached out to me privately, a woman I've known since I was a baby. Uh, and she said, look, I'm not trying to start a fight with you, but I'm just asking, have you seen this? And she sent me a link to a video entitled Debunking the Trump Mocked the Disabled Reporter, which was essentially uh, a compilation of footage showing Donald Trump doing that exact same voice and that exact same gesture as he did that day at his rally when he was accused of making fun of a reporter's disability. But the commonality in every instance was he was imitating somebody who was flailing because they were caught in a lie, doing something shady or dishonest. So it proved very conclusively that he wasn't making fun of that reporter's disability. He was making fun of the fact that that reporter who happened to be disabled was caught in a lie and was now flailing. And that was the moment that opened my eyes for the first time to the possibility that the media that I had been trusting my entire life was capable of, with complete malice and duplicity, spinning a moment out of context to try to manipulate the way that people think and feel. And that set me on a journey that ultimately led to me walking away. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I know that footage. It really is. What you're doing is a is a huge service to the country, to people individually. Go to walkawayfoundation.org, walkawayfoundation.org. Uh, great videos, great ways to get involved. It's very, very important, folks. Remember, we don't want to just sit back and watch this stuff on TV or watch it on our phones. We have to get involved. Walkawayfoundation.org is a great way to do it. Brandon Strock, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Craig. All right, to be continued. Oh, I'm out of time. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Uh, We're back. Uh, Brandon Strzok, what a guy, what a guy, and what a man ordeal he's been through. And yeah, Liz Cheney, uh, she went way, way, way too far with this stuff. You know, I want to see Liz Cheney. Uh, what do I want to see her? Um, well, I wanted to see her voted out of Congress. That happened. You know, she has this very dangerous habit. No, nah, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but it is kind of dangerous. That if somebody is critical of Liz Cheney or people that she likes, she construes it as a threat or something that's going to inspire a threat. You know, like a threat to her safety. I don't want anybody to be harmed in any way. Um, But I can still criticize Liz Cheney, and she's trying to say criticism, genuine First Amendment protected speech, is somehow uh, a threat to her. And that is wrong. It's anti-American. And um, all right. I can't wait to do my full book report. Andrew, hi. 
Andrew, yeah, he's amazing, Struck, and uh, I saw Levin. I know he's a good guy. Keep going. I want. I don't like it when you call and you 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 weigh in on everything that was just on the show. So, what do you want to say? Yeah, I love the Jeffrey Dahmer series. I won't spoil because I watched the whole thing in two nights. And the great. You're not going to spoil it. We know what happened. They show you know them. They sh- but, um, he ate the people, and then he gets beat up in jail and dies. He um has to play Jeffrey when he's not doing the killings. Most of his life, he's not committing a murder, so he has to play that character in his regular life. And I love how they show the whole story of him growing up. And All right, so you so like the, the show. You like the show, too. Oh, so impressive. And the Honeymooners, I know you like when I said Harvey reminds me of Hochul. She just reminds me of her speech pattern of a big drunk that wants to fight you, a man like, okay, Giuliani, I'll kick your ass. Then you too, Kelly, you think you're holier than now with your Charles Stanley Bible and not having premarital sex. I'll kick your ass. Like, doesn't she remind you of a drunk that would have come up to you in the bar? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You That was a Kathy Hochul impression you just did? Yep. Okay, that stinks. Thanks, Andrew, yeah. though. Keep in touch, all right? Carmine is on Long Island. Hello. Greg, I'm going to weigh, I'm weighing in on the Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm, I, I had to turn it off. It's very disturbing, Greg. I didn't want it in my spirit at all. I watched the first two or three episodes. Yes, it's captivating, but I couldn't sleep at night, Greg. I'm serious. Well, I mean, you know, look, I could still go to sleep. I mean, you know, I'm not four years old. I can handle it. I know about, you can't watch anything scary. Listen, we got to be discerned, use discernment as to what we watch, Greg. I, look, you know. I agree with you. However, I mean, this is the second show I've watched in like five years. And I know what you mean. I mean, some of this stuff puts weird ideas in your head. You know, I mean, no one's going to go out and cannibalize, I hope. But it does put some ideas in your head. And yeah, you're right. And Hollywood, my gosh, the filth that they have been creating since the very beginning. Well, it used to be good. So, yeah, no, Carmine, you're not, uh, there's some validity to what you're saying. My life would be better off without the Jeffrey Dahmer show. But once, once every, once every now and then I got to check in to see what they're doing. You know, I got to check in and there is, you know, there's an art to it, right? I do like, don't you like how, um, I like the backstory on the victims, you know, the deaf guy. Did you see that part? I just saw him doing things to that drug addict on the street. It's very disturbing. It's images you don't need in your head, Greg. I'm well, I, all right. I, I know. Well, you watched three episodes before you uh, turned it off, right? Yeah. yeah all right. It, I know. It, it I know. Happening. I know. Well, look, I'm going to finish it, Carmine. All right. I got three episodes to go. Okay. You can do what you want. Oh, you make it sound like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed for all eternity. Come on. <laughs> I just didn't want it in my spirit. I could only speak for myself. All right. No, I understand, but you were a little bit tantalized. You know, look, it is a good show. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Uh, But uh, anyway, Carmine, we love you. Thank you very much. Adam is standing by. How you doing, sir? Good. Yeah, uh, your last guest, he used his discovery properly. That's why he was victorious. Mr. Giuliani did not use his discovery properly, and he chose not to testify at his trial. No, we so, got to listen to Adam because Adam judgment. knows all about the criminal justice system, having been tried three times and found guilty three times and thrown in jail three times. So your opinion on this means something, Adam. Keep going. 
I wasn't tried three times, sir, but I did go to trial one time. Wait, wait, oh, you I pl- know about the discovery. Wait, 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 wait. So what? You took a plea in guilty the other cases. Twice. You pled yes. guilty twice. No yes. trial. All right. So you know all about the criminal justice system, and uh, uh, but you don't know about civil lawsuits. And this was a civil lawsuit. And I don't think Rudy Giuliani did anything wrong, but uh, he can speak to that better. Adam, listen, I appreciate you checking in. We'll give you more time next time. I got to go to Sandra. Hello. Oh, hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I was thinking about the president we have now and two different ones that were very, very supportive of Israel, and that's Donald Trump and President Nixon. Trump and Nixon, the best when it comes to Israel. I agree, Sandra. Thank you.